0: Hello, and welcome to the monthly Megabyte CEO Barometer. At Megabyte, we track the financial performance, corporate activity, and strategic positioning of over 6,000 of the UK's leading software, ICT services, and digital services firms. Each month, our research team analyzes dozens of corporate transactions and results from companies across the UK tech sector. And as well as delivering extensive company financial and transaction data, our team leverages some 500 CEO relationships to deliver Uh, our subscribers uh, deep insight into the companies we track and also the peer groups, the technology subsectors in which those companies sit. Of course, subscribers can access all of our research uh, at megabyte.com. And if you think that the research and data that we provide maybe have helped you, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, The best thing to do is to go to our website at megabyte.com and you can automatically now request uh, a trial of our service um, and also within that request a demo from our customer team. So if you think that might be of interest, we'd love to hear from you. So here's a quick canter through the key highlights from the Megabyte CEO barometer this month. Of course, we took our normal uh, summer break uh, in August. So um, during this month's show, I'll be looking at the statistics from July and August, uh, the summer months compared to the same month last year. And actually, from a tech share price perspective, it wasn't a bad period at all after, uh, as you'll be aware, some, um, some pretty horrible share price performances through most of the first half of this year. There was a modest rally in the, uh, in the summer months, uh, but I have to say uh, it's largely run out of steam as we've, as we've gone into the autumn. Uh, but nevertheless, share prices on both sides of the Atlantic, uh, tech share prices were up uh, high single digits, double digits in some places. Valuations, indeed, were up a similar amount. In terms of deal flow, it continues to be a mixed picture with deal flow, and some of the trends I talked about through the first half of this year really kind of accelerated over the summer. Total deal count during July and August was down 15% year on year, and that was all really taken account of by M&A volumes, and I'll, I'll talk a bit about that. But looking first at the capital markets in summary... Uh, no change to the fact that the fundraising activity within capital markets is um, uh, effectively stopped. Uh, and that continued during the summer. There was one small follow on public offering in August, and that was it. No IPOs. And we've had no IPOs this year at all in the UK tech sector. Of course, the big picture, the big news within uh, capital markets is all of the MA uh, and and public to private uh, activity with companies, particularly software companies, coming off the market. And I'll talk through key deals and also what I think that means for, uh, for the quoted sector. As I mentioned, MA volumes continue to fall. They were down about 25% um, in, in July and August compared to the same period last year. And they're kind of normalizing at around 2019 levels. I'll talk through some of the key deals and where we see the trends there. Uh, and actually, um, we're really returning to 2019 levels. And actually, to be fair, talking to advisors and, and, and companies as they come out of uh, the quieter summer months, there's still quite a lot of confidence around there with MA. So the picture's not too bad. Even more positively, PE, uh, private equity, had a very strong summer. Um, nearly double the number of deals in 2022 compared to the summer of 2021, and that was not a quiet period either. Um, nearly 19 deals in total over the summer and some quite chunky deals, uh, particularly in software and B2B information space I'll talk through. Um, so actually continues to be very buoyant in private equity. Conversely, VC has gone in the way I expected it to. Uh, while the number of uh, deals, the volume of deals has actually been relatively stable over the summer months compared to the same period last year, the value of deals in total has dropped significantly, over 70% lower than, they were, uh, than it was in, in the same period in 2021. And really the main driver for that is a dramatic reduction in these big late stage deals, um, 100 million plus deals, although there were a couple in the period that I'll talk about. So VC continues to normalize again back to the 2019 levels, but the spike was so much higher in VC than it was elsewhere. That's proving to feel a bit like a crash. In terms of the outlook, I think we've probably been through to a large degree, the kind of interest rate cycle reset, particularly in the capital markets. And that was why I think we got a little bit of a bounce in share prices. The big unknown for me and continues to be an unknown is what will happen to tech sector demand in terms of trading patterns over the next six to nine months as what looks like a big recession is coming, certainly in the UK and Europe. Um, And that's the key question. I'll look at that that in a little bit more detail as we go through the show. So that's a quick look at the highlights for this month. Let's get on with the show. So turning first to what has been going on in the capital markets, both from a share price and also a corporate activity perspective, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, share prices have been pretty robust, actually a little bit of a bounce uh, in share prices on both sides of the Atlantic over the summer. The megabyte universe uh, index of about 150 UK listed tech stocks was up 8% over the summer, uh, with the valuation, average valuation increasing a similar amount to just under 16 times. Within that software, uh, did a little bit better, ICT services, not quite as well, um, but overall both up and the software sector was up, uh, valuation was up to 17.5 times, EVITAR and uh, ICT services up modestly to 11.6 times. From a US sector uh, perspective, uh, the NASDAQ was up 6%, uh, so a bit of a bounce there as well, but it was up higher than that uh, over the summer, significantly higher than that, and has come back a bit during August the average valuation on the tech-heavy Nasdaq was up uh, a similar amount to just under 15 times over the summer. The Bessemer Venture Partners Nasdaq Cloud Index, this is this index I talk about of of, um, high growth, typically larger SaaS stocks in the US, that was down another 6%. And the EV sales multiple still high at seven point seven times, down fractionally on the June number, but down I think three quarters, certainly two thirds um, over the last twelve months. That those very highly rated, uh, high growth SaaS stocks that achieve uh, sort of very high multiples have the ones that have taken the brunt of the pullback of the of the um, crash, if you like, over the last uh, really tw- nearly twelve months now. Turning back to the UK market and thinking about deal activity, no real change from a fundraising perspective, one very small follow on public offering, still no IPOs, there have been none this year in our universe in the UK, uh, no prospect of any uh, in the short term either, I have to say. Of course, the real activity, the real interest uh, in the UK uh, tech sector from a public markets perspective has been all of the public to private and takeover activity, particularly within the software sector, actually almost exclusively in the software sector. Um, earlier in the summer, we had uh, a vast Norton Lifelock um, and the idea Gen uh, public to private uh, from HG Capital that closed uh, just recently. But uh, since I last spoke to you guys, the uh, microfocus had a bid from open text at over five billion uh, sterling. Aviva um, has uh, Schneider Electric, which already owns a chunk of Aviva, is mulling a bid there um, at uh, about 9.1 billion sterling, 24 times EV bitar. And just this week, we've had GBG, uh, GB Group uh, getting an, a preliminary approach from a Chicago private equity outfit called uh, CGTC. I've not heard of them before, but <clears throat> um, a technology investors primarily in the U.S. market um, at about 1.6 billion, 23 times EV radar. Interestingly, just this morning on the day I'm recording this, uh, Darktrace, which had had an, a, 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 an approach from Toma Bravo at about a 3 billion valuation. Or well, That's what the market thought it was going to be at. Toma Bravo walked away from that. Um, reason unclear. Uh, the market has not taken kindly to that, and the share price has dropped quite a lot further, l- quite a lot lower than it was prior to the Tomo Bravo interest, suggesting the markets have some concern over the fact that Tomo Bravo, which is obviously a uh, a very very seasoned, probably the world's most seasoned cybersecurity software investor, has decided not to pursue an offer. Of course, it could just be uh, it could just be because they couldn't. Uh, there, there was a price, you know, there wasn't a price that they could do a deal at. But the market clearly is worrying that it's something other than that. So what's the context to all of this? You would have read about all of these deals. Um, you know, we, We're talking about a total of over 20 billion sterling of market cap uh, coming off the market. The context of that is I reckon that's probably about between 20 and 25% of the listed sector in a very short period of time. Pretty dramatic number. Um, and that will take the UK listed tech sector, excluding the the, the likes of BT and Vodafone, down to, uh, down to eight, about 80 billion, which is lower. It's lowest I think it's been for a very long time. Um, and I think it's worth looking at the context. So, yes, yeah, so it's, it's a big dramatic number. Yes, uh, 20 billion, 25 billion is a very big number, depending on what happens with dark trades. Um, but actually, this is a blip in the sense it's an acceleration of actually what has been a 20-year trend. Nearly the whole time I've been in the uh, the tech sector, um, certainly in the last 20 years, there has been a shift of equity ownership from capital markets to private equity. And that is just this is just a continuation of that, although admittedly, some of the deals are uh, P- are not PE deals, they are quoted companies buying quoted companies, but the point stands. And to give you an idea of where what that means in terms of the megabyte universe and our database of companies, of the 6,000 companies we're currently tracking on the database, and I think we've picked up now pretty much all of that, well certainly pretty much all of the PE backed ones, but also now most of the VC backed ones has been a big mission for us over the last couple of years. We've got just under 2,500 privately backed companies on the database, of which are about 400 are PE backed. And um, therefore, mathematically, around 2,000 are VC backed or growth capital backed in one way or another. That compares to fewer than 200 listed companies. Now, the bigger the, the bigger companies. It is still true that the bigger companies are still listed. And if you look at the top 20 companies, the revenue of the top 20 listed companies, uh, it will be significantly bigger than the top 20. The revenue of the top 20 PE backed businesses. But nevertheless, the the, the gap is closing. And interestingly, an interesting stat after all of this. Takeover that's going on, takeover activity that's going on at the moment. Assuming it all completes, is that the biggest software company by value that we track in the UK? I'm pretty certain. Someone will email me say I'm wrong on this, but I'm pretty certain is now Access Group, because its uh, last fundraising was very recently, only a few months ago, at 9.2 billion sterling. Sage is currently valued at um, at 8 billion enterprise value on the listed market. So that's a really kind of a really interesting data point that summarizes and kind of exemplifies what I'm talking about in terms of this shift of equity ownership from capital markets to private equity. There's lots of conversations about why this has come about, and most of them focus on the regulatory environment within the capital markets in the UK and how it's not as attractive as the US. That's typically an argument about US versus UK but also why there's fewer UK listed companies generally and also the tax regime for private equity is more uh, conducive to investment than it is on the listed market both of those are probably true however I think the main reason why there's been a this shift from um, private equity to private equity from capital markets is much more simple in my view CEOs and senior directors of private equity businesses private equity back businesses successful ones, earn a lot more money doing PE than they do in the capital markets. And to my mind, it is no more complicated than that. Being the CEO of a public company is less well-paid, more of a hassle. You have to spend more of your time answering to your shareholders, and you don't really get any upside. Um, you have to wait. You, you you struggle in PE process, sorry, in m a processes, because you can't immediately fund the deal, which you typically can in PE if you've got a supportive investor. There's all sorts of issues uh, around that make running a public company more challenging for less money. And I don't think in my mind it's any more complicated than that. And for that reason, um, I don't see any change going on with this. I really don't see any change in this dynamic. And I see a continuation of the the trend um, of uh, a de-equitization of capital markets and that equity going into private equity. You know, I mean, you look at Cad Centre Aviva, Cad Centre for those of you who've got long memories was the name, uh, what was what Aviva was called when Cad Centre when it listed back in the '90s. And I was an analyst in the city back in those days. I used to follow the company. I think it listed about fifty million. So it's been an amazing ride for shareholders. And actually, in some ways, I don't have an issue with it being acquired, or or indeed indeed Gbg being acquired, which has also been a phenomenal return. If you bought Gbg shares in two thousand and eight, you would have made twenty times your money or more, in fact, at the, at the mooted uh, uh, takeover price. The problem is, we're not, getting any, we're not getting nearly enough companies, particularly software companies, coming through underneath them. You know, if you look at the last five years, yes, we've had a couple of interesting ones. We've had Alpha in the software space. Well, Darktrace, obviously, but that looks like it's gonna be a revolving door for them at some point. Um, and most of the, actually, IPO activity has been around ICT services and very successful companies, Gamma, Softcat, um, uh, kanos and others uh, being very successful in the markets. But there's not enough of them. And there's not enough of the sub-hundred million ones. They just aren't coming through to the capital markets now. And I don't see that changing. So so there was a bit of a rant. I hope you don't mind. Uh, but I think it's an important subject. And we'll come back to it, I'm sure, um, over the coming months and years. In terms of the outlook for the capital markets, I don't think it, it really changes. I don't see the IPO market opening anytime soon. Um, the the um, M&A and P2P interest in Uh, listed companies, doesn't seem to be stimulating a general revaluation, positive revaluation across the sector, uh, which might lead some more companies to IPO. That's not happening at the moment. Valuations are fairly stable, as I said. And, um, you know, uh, I think that there is likely to be some uh, revenue pullback, and I'll talk about that, or some, you know, some revenue slowdown, growth slowdown as we go through the winter, and I'll talk about that later. Um, uh, so all of that together suggests to me that there's going to be no particular improvement in share prices, and potentially some further reduction. And you might say, "Oh, well, there's already been a massive reduction in valuations," which there has. But I come back to the point I make regularly, which is we're currently trading at 15 or 16 times EV EBITDA on the capital markets tech sector, but the low point in the at the dot com crash and the global financial crisis was seven times. So. There is potentially a long way yet to go if we get into that kind of scenario, which I'm not saying we will necessarily. But overall, I think the, the outlook continues to be pretty uh, pretty difficult on the capital markets. So that's qu- quick canter through the capital markets. Um, um, actually, not as quick as canter through as maybe it should have been. Uh, forgive the rant. Um, and I will talk uh, next about what's happening in private equity. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, the private equity industry, in, in contrast to VC, which I'll talk about next, uh, PE is in rude health. Uh, there were... 19 deals added to our database uh, during the summer months, July and August, compared to just 10 last summer. And actually 10 is not bad over a couple of months. Typically, we're seeing five or six a month, uh, nearly double that over the summer. So it's a really, 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 really positive deal flow. Um, eight management buyouts, double the pre- previous year. S- six secondary buyouts up a bit. Four carve-outs, interestingly, um, uh, which was uh, just one last year and one P2P uh, that was IdeaGen, which were taken off the market. So Lots of private equity activity. Generally, underneath the numbers, we're seeing a very continuing, a very positive, buoyant um, sentiment within the private equity market. Some caution about the outlook, but overall very positive. Just putting out a couple of deals for you um, in the software sector, which has been particularly active, I think. uh, Fortero is a deal I think that um, actually it was announced a while back, but completed over the summer. This was a, uh, a secondary buyout to Partners Group, $833 million, um, valuation. And uh, they've uh, for terror, the guys at Fortero have wasted no time in getting on with some um, significant M&A, which I'll talk about in the next segment. As I mentioned earlier on, um, a really interesting month or period for B2B information. Two big deals, pretty big deals. Montague uh, with a deal with Lloyd's List at 385 million and a chunky one for Astorg and Epiris um, for Euro money at 1.6 billion. So some very interesting, uh, very interesting deals in that part of the market. Switching to ICT services. Um, uh, Little Fish, which has been uh, we were aware was it was in a process for quite a while, really interesting high quality um, high quality uh, IT managed services business that was acquired by Bowmark for 155 million and a secondary buyout um, Bionic. Uh, this is um, uh, ECI selling most of its stake, retaining some of its stake to uh, Omer's, um, and that was high, what we think was about a hundred million pound deal. So some quite chunky deals and quite a lot of smaller deals uh, alongside that. So plenty going on within private equity um, in terms of valuations. Um, not a huge amount in terms of of benchmarks. Most of the deals uh, that we've looked at in this over the summer are uh, are, are estimated values. Um, our assessment, my assessment, is that um, there has been no significant change in valuations, both in software and IT services. From a PV perspective, we saw obviously a big uh, spike in valuations or a pretty meaningful spike, particularly in in private in in software sector. Sorry, during twenty twenty one, we think most of that's come back, but we're still seeing high quality software businesses trading in. Uh, the low to mid 20s and high quality um, ICT services companies with plenty of recurring revenue or high growth consulting business, for that matter, trading in the low to mid teens. Um, and that doesn't feel like it's going to change anytime soon, notwithstanding what I'll talk about at the end in terms of the trading outlook. But with trading, with current trading as it is now, I don't see any particular change. I won't bore you with continuation conversation about the uh, uh, the uh, wave of money, the wall of private equity money, et cetera, that we're all very familiar with We're aware of quite a few processes kicking off at the moment, so it feels like it's going to be a pretty busy period coming up to Christmas, um, particularly keeping our eye on Iris, uh, which is going to be one of the biggest software deals, maybe not this year, maybe next year now. Civica also, I would imagine, thinking about what it's going to be doing. So there's going to be some chunky ones as well as, I'm sure, plenty of smaller deals. So, So the private equity piece continues to be pretty buoyant and... There's a reason there's a good reason why it should be. There's plenty of capital, and there's no issue with trading with those guys at the moment. I come back to the point I keep coming back to is the key question is what will happen with trading over the next six or nine, nine, nine months? Will it remain stable? And I'll come back to that. I do also think that we're going to see uh, a continuation of public to privates. Might take a bit of a breather because, as I said in the previous section, it's been a bit manic. But the dynamics of high valuations, lots of capital in private equity, lower valuations. Not much capital in uh, capital markets suggests that imbalance can only really result in more public to privates, as we've seen with the mooted bid for GBG this week. So that's a very quick counter through private equity. And I will talk uh, the flip side of that uh, private capital uh, conversation in terms of positivity um, uh, VC in the next segment. So turning to the other side of the uh, private capital coin and looking at venture capital as opposed to private equity, And as I mentioned at the top of the show, we saw a relatively stable deal volumes during the summer months, uh, down 6%, 46 deals on our database during July and August. But the big story is really around the volume of, sorry, the value of those transactions, which totals just over 700 million uh, this summer. And that was down over two thirds, 71% down on, on the period last year. And as I mentioned, the thing that's really driving that is a significant reduction in the number of later stage deals. Partly the 100 plus million deals, Only two this summer compared to five last summer. I'll talk about those in a second. But also the sort of 50 to 100 million deals. There were a lot fewer of those um, this summer than compared to last summer. But still a very good flow of series A, pre-series A, series A, and to a degree series B deals, which I think is healthy uh, and suggests that that the market overall is, is still relatively healthy. It's just some of that very sort of slightly over-exuberant maybe later stage stuff. So um, the other thing I think that was interesting this year, this month or in the last couple of months I'll talk about it, is that there was a bit more going on in ICT services than there normally is. And I'll, I'll talk a bit about that. But in looking first, look at the, the two mega deals that there were during July and August, one in each month. Um, actually, no, both in August, sorry. Um, hi, Bob. This is in the HTM software space, raised 124 million sterling in a Series D from General Atlantic and Bessemer Ventures. And actually, it's worth just spending a second on the HCM software sector, not least because we've got a, an online session on it um, on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday this week, looking at next week, looking at uh, all the uh, tech trends and corporate activity trends in HCM software. But HCM software really is one of the most, what well, it is one of the most uh, vibrant parts of the market at the moment, both from a growth, but also from a capital, uh, from a corporate activity perspective. And uh, um, it was the single most, along with telecom resellers, which is an incredibly incredibly large part of the market HCM software much smaller in terms of numbers of companies was still gen- was still equal with 12 deals um, over the summer months uh, 12 also in telecoms resellers so for the size of its for, for its size really punching above its weight in terms of deal activity six VC deals five and a deals and one PE deal um, and by the largest by far the largest which I mentioned a second ago is high Bob the other mega raise uh, for the period was in the GHS government healthcare software peer group Sarah, Uh, More of a tech-enabled service provider, raising $263 from a number of investors. Um, Actually, a highlight in an otherwise very quiet uh, period for healthcare software, uh, which, as you will probably be aware, has been pretty buoyant, um, particularly in the the wake of the COVID uh, pandemic. Um, But much quieter over the last couple of months for reasons I am not entirely sure. Um, Elsewhere, notable segments, as ever, fintech in software, enterprise software, uh, lots of deals there. uh, But as I said, healthcare software, a bit quieter. I promised to touch a little bit on ICT services. Um, we had a couple of actually much smaller than usual telecom services infrastructure deals, which you'll probably be aware has been a big trend in VC. In fact, really the only significant area within ICT services that has, been, that has been attracting significant volumes of venture and growth capital, more growth capital to be fair, money. But interestingly, three IT consulting deals. So, the you know, IT consulting... Um, is a the growth in IT consulting, particularly around data, is something I've talked about a lot in the show over the last few months. And it's primarily been around uh, the uh, PE and M&A uh, side of things, but now starting to see some growth capital deals in IT consulting, I guess where some of these younger companies um, are uh, not wanting to give away uh, to, as much equity and really looking to take money on board to enable them to grow more aggressively in what is an incredibly fast-growing market, at the moment, particularly in data consulting. So it's really interesting to see that. Um, a bit more life in the ICT service Within within uh, VC, which is obviously traditionally more focused on software and IP-rich businesses, what about the outlook for VC? I think we're what I expected to happen is happening. In, in fact, you know we are returning to more normal levels of. Um, uh, VC activity, both in terms of the volume. Volumes, as I said, haven't changed that much, but the value of deals, much more of a focus on earlier stage deals, which is which is VC heritage. And actually, I think it's a positive thing. Um, I look at kind of B2B early stage or even medium late stage deals like High Bob, um, and uh, they are in good health. High Bob was at a significantly higher valuation than the previous deal. So we're not seeing uh, as many down rounds in B2B as we are perhaps in some of the areas of uh, B2C. So I think uh, whilst it feels pretty grim, I think, in the VC world at the moment, I think overall it's a a positive thing for that to be happening in a relatively relatively stable way in the sense it's not a terrible crash, but it is a sharp pullback. Um, And I think we'll continue to see a normalisation and I don't see any return, again, risk capital. Uh, appetite for those very high risk deals. It seems to have gone for now, um, and I don't know that's necessarily a bad thing. So, a normalization of VC uh, will continue for the rest of this year and into next year, I think. So, that's a quick counter through what we're talking about in VC. I will wrap up the show as I always do with a look at what's been going on in MA, and I'll also talk a bit about uh, trading outlook, which I've mentioned a couple of times during the show. Looking then at uh, MA activity and MA volumes um, to wrap up the show, as I always do, as well as a look at the outlook. Um, as I've mentioned a couple of times on the show, the um, uh, m and volumes were down about a quarter uh, in July and August this year compared to last year and broadly flat on 2019. So we're seeing this normalization of MA activity um, after heightened levels post-COVID. Actually, software volumes were down quite significantly, uh, down 37% to 48 deals. ICT services down uh, much less significantly, down 7% to 38, 38 deals. And it really was software where we saw uh, the real spike in volumes uh, uh, last year. So it's not surprising particularly to see that. Uh, see that volume uh, in ICT services come down a bit less than in software. Uh, and nevertheless, some of the some of the trends continue. Enterprise software continues to be the most vibrant part of the market from an M&A perspective. I talked about HCM within that being probably the most active area. Uh, we've had deals this uh, over the summer, three deals from Access, one from Clear Course. And I mentioned earlier, Fortero closed its PE deal with Partners Group um, and went on to acquire and make a significant acquisition in the form of OrderWise. Uh, what we think is about 150 million. So um, getting on with it for Terra, and I'm sure we'll see a lot more M&A for them uh, as that is a core cool part of their strategy um, under partners. Busy in FinTech 10 deals, business and consumer 12 deals. But as I mentioned previously, quite quiet still in government and healthcare software. Turning to ICT services, um, as I mentioned, down, you know, down a little bit less, quite quite stable there. Um, and uh, serial acquirers continue on their way. Wireless Logic, I'll come back to that. Babel, uh, two deals. Interesting, Telet acquiring Tala's IoT business for what we think was about 100 million. In IT consulting, Qualitest acquiring ZenQ. This is sort of offshore testing services business for what we think was about 50 million. In the IT managed services and hosting space, Node 4 uh, acquiring Rizul in the Microsoft space. Again, what we think was about 50 million, probably around 15 times EV EBITDA again sort of solidifying our view around that mid-teens, uh, mid-teens EV, EBITDA multiple for high quality um, IT managed services, businesses. Turning back to wireless logic, I think as an interesting one. I mean, wireless logic is one of these businesses that has, you know, I talked earlier about capital markets and how businesses have, <clears throat> we're not getting the flow through of businesses, you know, Wireless Logic would have been an absolutely classic business to list. Um, if it had been doing what it's doing maybe 20, 30 years ago, it probably would have done it on the public markets rather than private equity backed. Phenomenal growth story, both organically and in um, uh, more recently in, in M&A terms, both internationally and in the UK. And uh, just been a phenomenal story. Most recent uh, most recent round, of P round done at over a billion for Wireless Logic. So amazing story. Most recently, just over this over the summer, a couple of interesting deals. UK focused for Wireless Logic at the moment on their m strategy. Jola, uh, we think that was about a hundred million pound deal, quite a punchy uh, multiple. Uh, we think about 20 times run rate EBITDA on that, uh, and Mobius a bit more a uh, bit more run rate um, at about 15 times. These are estimates. Uh, 15 times EBITDA, 45 million for that. So Wireless Logic, you know, really cracking on with its m strategy, and I'm sure we'll see uh, more from them as we go forward. So uh, I would say a robust and strong and we look at the outlook for we talk to our private equity customers and uh, and their portfolio companies, which is obviously driving the majority of the m a and it continues to be uh, you know it continues to be a robust story around that, which leads me nicely on to conclude talking about the outlook so I've mentioned a few times during the show about what I think about where we are in the cycle so I think we've been through largely this reset in. Uh, in expectations on interest rates, having been in a very low environment for a very long time, we're now in an upward swing. Where they end up is still a slight, um, uh, a slight debate. But I think the 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 um, the downside to growth investment that is a uh, uh, which is obviously inversely proportionate to the level of interest rates. Typically, um, how we've probably been through that macro cycle, if you like, or that element of the macro cycle. Where I think the market might not be focusing enough, in my view, at the moment, is the potential for earnings weakness. Um, and I think that that is something we will know the answer to over the next, next six to nine months. As I've mentioned a couple of times, it seems to me highly unlikely that the tech sector will not get through the next six to nine months without. Some impact from what looks like it's what, what looks like going to be quite a nasty recession, particularly in Europe, um, and I think that uh, that is likely to impact earnings. I think the first sign we'll probably get of that is January trading updates from the public companies. But I have to say, talking to the guys on our research team, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, talking to dozens of CEOs every month, there's no significant issues at the moment but it just feels like the balance of probabilities suggests that there will be some issues as we go through the winter and early into next year. Um, but obviously, I will talk more of that, more about that as we go through the show, as we go through the show over the next few months, and it'll be a key focus of my attention. So thanks for listening. Uh, welcome back from the summer. I hope you all managed a good, a good break and, uh, like me, looking forward to a busy period coming up to Christmas. Thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you again next month.